0: What's up, good people? Thank you for taking the time and listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. Please go visit the M-W Tactical store at www.m-wtactical.com forward slash store and help support our efforts by purchasing a shirt or two. If you haven't done so, go follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for M-W Tactical. All right, good people. We're back at it again. We got another week of the M-W Tactical Podcast. And like always, I got my main man, the co-host, the mad scientist, Dave. How's it going, Dave? It's going all right, Mike. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing good. Um, glad to hear some stuff that came across in the news. But at the same time, you know, everything we do in life should be a self-discovery. And I had a self-discovery um, this past weekend. Okay. Yeah. Was so, that I, a I, good thing, what happened? <laughs> yeah, you know, anytime you have a self discovery, it's always a good thing. But um, as I text and called you over the weekend, I had an issue with my ammo. And the issue was when I was making my ammo, I didn't realize it until later, probably like Sunday, is when I noticed it or when I thought about it. That when I was reloading, I remember seeing the bolt and the crimping die come undone. Didn't even think anything of it. And then when I tightened it down, it was already later. So I went out the, Saturday. Go ahead. The the nut on top of the die. Correct. Okay. Correct. Right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, I went out Saturday, um, linked up with the taco Commander over at his little range, and we were shooting. And it literally seemed like. Every other shot, the gun wasn't going in the battery. So I went ahead and said, let me try something else. You know, so they went ahead, taped up everything. Next person went. I got back into it again. And the same thing happened again. I was like, all right, I'm done. So, of course, you know, I'm sitting there studying the rounds and everything. But my mistake was when I was gauging them, normally how they they just kind of slip into the gauge. I was kind of pushing it down into the gauge and if it fit okay i'm good put it in the box obviously that wasn't the right thing to do so Mm -hmm. what i actually ended up doing was because the video that you watch on dylan states you put the brass up in there you turn it until you fill it and then that's where you set it Yeah. so what i did was i turned it until i felt it pulled it down and then i turned it a little bit more (laughs) And then I put the nut down and then went back out, shot the rounds, those same rounds that was giving me problems and had no issues. Oh, you just re them? The same, same, same that's round? That's all I did. Yep. Oh, okay. That's all I did. So, um, but yeah, that's all I was calling you. And I was, I wanted to ask some specific questions, but like I said, I, I ended up figuring it out as I did it and when I went back out there.
1: Good. I have a uh... – detailed approach to figuring out the crimp. Um, and, and I think it came from shooting the coated bullets like I do. Right. You have to be really careful with the crimp. Um, they recommend crimping to the point where you can just barely see a, a mark on the, on the bullet, but not piercing the coating. So uh, you have to, Well, the way I do it anyway, with calipers, I I pick a piece of brass and I'm following this brass through the whole loading process. But I measure the wall thickness of the brass. And then I measure the diameter of the bullet. And I add uh, two times the wall thickness of the brass to the diameter of the bullet. And and that will give you the the perfect diameter... um, that you would measure on the outside of, of your round after it's loaded and crimped um, to get your wall thickness and the bullet diameter. So it just gives you a, a reference to how much crimp you're, you're, you need to add or remove. Um, some of the jacketed bullets, you can get away with a little bit more of a crimp, but you can get too much of a crimp and you can actually deform the lead beneath the jacket and you might not know it because that your jacket is a little bit springy kind of but but the the lead can still be distorted beneath it but um you, you have a little more leeway with the jacketed bullets in your
0: crimp well listening to your mathematical equation uh, <laughs> yeah it's by me not being a scientist by far <laughs> Um, that sounds like some serious algebra going on. And I was pretty uh, yeah. good with math in school.
1: <laughs> I, uh, that's why I wanted to kind of put it into a video form. It would be easier to kind of oh, show yeah. you on a well, video that's... than try to explain it. But... There
2: you
0: go. Now that makes more sense. But <laughs> I was going to ask you, is there some type of tool they have for actually measuring the crimp versus like um, almost like some um, some calipers or some such?
1: Yeah, I mean calipers is what I was talking about that I, that I would use for that for that instance there. Hmm.
0: But there's not an easier way to do it outside of the whole mathematical process? <laughs> um I mean to I mean you
1: can with your jacketed bullets you can do like you did and just get, you know, the die set you know, to where it touches the brass like like Dylan, uh, suggest, and you can, you can probably be just fine with it, but, um, other than that, I mean, those two options, you, I have to measure mine to make sure my crimp is, is real precise with
0: the coated bullets. I got you. Now, um, I shoot coated bullets. Also the blue bullets is what I use when I read. Oh,
1: I thought you shot jacketed for some reason.
0: No, no. Um, I want to say... The taco commander does, but I don't, um, since I started shooting competition, well, when I first started shooting competition, I was buying the bullets. So whatever I can get from the gun store is what I was using. And then when I got the reloading, well, actually, when I got the Walther, I started buying, um, the competition bullets from North Carolina shooter supply. And then when I got the reloading press is when I started buying the bullets and then making the ammo myself.
1: Yeah, okay. Yeah. And, so. and it's blue oh yeah, you are you do shoot blue bullets. I remember that now. Yeah.
0: Okay. okay. I don't know. So um but it's it's like I said, it was the machine and my ignorance on my behalf of not doing what I should have done, you know. And you know, you can't cut quarters when you're reloading. Yeah, that's yeah,
2: obvious.
1: But... So there, there, there may be one other thing you can do if you don't have calipers uh, to measure with, but you should, because you got to measure your overall length for your loads anyway. You should have some calipers. Yeah.
0: You? Yes, I have calipers.
1: Okay, but you can, which I do this anyway when I'm setting up my crimp. I'll I'll load around and actually knock the bullet back out. I'll mm-hmm. take the bullet back out so I can see what the case the brass has done to the bullet specifically looking at the the coating to make sure you know the crimp didn't pierce the coating or, or deform the, the bullet too much yeah.
0: so what i'm going to do is with <laughs> this unknown crimp that i have now i'm going to go out to the range maybe tomorrow or friday and re-chrono and see where i'm at with it and then wherever i'm at with that crimp i'm just going to adjust the powder i'm not going to mess with the crimp i'm just going to adjust the powder from there yeah check
1: your accuracy too if you don't know what the the crimp's doing to your bullet Um, make make sure your accuracy is still you know where it should be
0: right so it's now it's like i'm back at block one when i first started reloading again <laughs> you had it all figured out and now all of a sudden I yeah
1: i don't some that sometimes that happens man i had something come loose on my press i didn't even know it i can't even remember what it was now oh it was a powder charge i started getting more powder in there hmm. in my in my load and i was a chronoed a couple times at like a 183 power factor or something crazy like that. <laughs> <All right. Whoa. laughs> it's time to back back down a little bit. <laughs>
0: wow, that's craziness right there. <laughs>
1: yeah, sometimes it
0: happens. Stuff gets loose. Yeah. Um, but on a brighter note, now since um the South Carolina State Championship got pushed to next month. That gives me more time to play with it and get it set exactly to where i want it to be again and by then it sounded like everything is going to be back open to regular operation it sounds
1: like that our um governor was going to start you know slowly reopening some some businesses and 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 things around around the state
0: yeah so A lot of states were saying by the weekend they was going to be back in full swing which sounds good for the economy but for that to take place and you know how some people are going to say you're putting health over money i mean money over health and you know well yeah but you know how it goes sometimes you have to question was this blown out of proportion or was it really what everybody was saying or were we just being cautious for the unknown you know which which block do you take on that yeah i i have a opinion
1: about the government stepping in and uh doing such drastic measures um i don't I don't know. Maybe it was necessary. I don't know. It's tough to say, but it really kind of seems like the government overreached a lot with what they were trying to do. They were actually arresting people for being in like groups of three, and <laughs> it's—I don't know. It was—it was pretty ridiculous there for a while. I'm glad to see a little bit more lenience coming around. You know, we still need to be cautious, sure. Yeah. But forcing people out of work and you know, it, I don't know. It was not a sustainable decision at all. And um a lot of people have hurt, you know, probably lost their business businesses because of it and you know, yeah. I don't know. It is hard yeah. it's tough to say we've never faced anything like this.
0: Well, like I said, it is enough to make a new chapter in how decisions are made and how people are going to react. But now I can always say I've always been the type of person when, when people do certain things, automatically I hold my breath. So if you sneeze or cough around me, automatically I hold my breath and I'll take a couple steps away from you or something like that. I've, I've always done that. But um,
1: I've always washed my hands. I find it um, a little bit disturbing that there's like People, I guess there's people out there that don't wash their hands. I don't know. I'm always washing my hands, touching doorknobs at work and and stuff like that.
0: Now you remember when they had the um, what was what was that flu they had a couple years ago when I was a
1: drill sergeant?
0: Was that the swine flu?
1: That yeah, it was the the H1N1. Yeah,
0: that swine flu or whatever. Now when that came about, we had one guy that was in my platoon. ended up catching it went to the hospital and i was like just walking up there every day just to go check on them but i would literally walk around the company with a lysol bottle and before i open up a door i would spray it down and just open up the door and everybody was laughing at me and i was like no i'm not trying to be funny i'm being serious right now because i don't want to catch anything and if they say lysol is killing you know the surfaces that you touch and it prevents spreading why aren't you doing something like that you know but
1: the back of the lysol cans actually say that it kills the coronavirus
0: i noticed that yeah but what string of it <laughs> yeah i don't know <laughs> <laughs> they didn't go into that much detail <laughs> yeah so but like like i said though i'm just um happy to see that we are about to get back to some form of normalcy but I'm also more curious to see the impact this is going to come because literally are we making a rush decision or are we just going to filter it and play it by ear? Because that's pretty much what we're going to do yeah. anyway. You know?
1: I don't know, man. It's people. Some people are in bad shape and, and need to get back to work if they can, you know, when they're healthy and taking precautions. Um right you know cuz the money's not there for for all the small businesses that that initiative that the, the president put in place is already out of money uh for loans for small businesses i don't know man it's tough we still have to be careful
0: yeah we still we always gotta <laughs> You always got to be careful you always got to be careful but i hope this pandemic was enough to open people's eyes to say hey Put yourself in a position whereas you can take better care of yourself, you know. So now all the first time firearm purchasers go get training, you know, Um, for people who were out here just blowing money like it's nothing. Okay, now, you know, put that to a side or, you know, buy more stuff that can benefit you in the need of a crisis like this. You know, so I do believe this whole thing is an eye opener for a lot of people.
1: Sure. I, um, I hope that, um, now, you know, people are getting, hopefully we'll start getting back out more and come out to the range and new gun owners come out, get some training, have some fun, come shoot with us.
0: Yeah. I'm always happy to see new gun owners, um, come to the range, especially, um, new shooters to the sport. Um, I love watching the, the development process of somebody from a competition standpoint when they first come out and then a few months later, it looks like a totally different person, you know, especially when they see. yeah, you know. it's fun to watch. Yeah, it is. It is. But I do want to remind everybody before we continue for please go over to the M-W tactical store and you can hit the store at M dash tactical.com forward slash store. We have some new shirts up that we put up last week and I think it's pretty fun. You know, even coach B has a couple shirts that she's working on um, to put up there. So I found that pretty funny, but also make sure you go ahead and follow me on Instagram at munitions, weapons, tactical, and then also go to at CSRA shooters on Instagram and give them a follow also.
1: Yeah. I appreciate it. Check it out. I'm trying to get some more content in there. I'm trying to learn a little more about Instagram along the way.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like I said, I think Instagram is fun to, you know, maneuver, and interact with it. But I like Instagram over Facebook. Did I get
1: that your video copied and pasted correctly today? I used that different app you told me about.
0: I didn't check. Well, I don't know. I tried yeah, it anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll check it out and i uh, let you know. Now, um, you know, something else I did. And sitting around, bored, laying around. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go find me a treadmill. So so decided to go look on some different apps for a treadmill. So, you know, Facebook got the different groups that sell stuff, offer up. And then I think there's another one called Sell It or something like that. So I'm going through there, I'm looking for treadmills and everybody was selling treadmills, 150, 120, 50 bucks, whatever the case may be. Came across one that was literally not even 10 miles down the street from my house for free. All I had to do was go just, pick it just up. Just come get it, get it out of my house. I don't want it. <laughs> That's it. So I was like, "Hey, I'm going to take it." So, ended up putting a video up on Instagram and Facebook showing me You know driving looking for one and then at the same time you know bringing it back home so i found it pretty funny though just um looking at it but the reason for me getting it is a while back i heard steve anderson joking about it and i stated i think that might be a good idea you know and the reason why i say it would be a good idea I discovered when I'm shooting on the move, when I'm moving to my left, I go a lot slower than I do moving to the right. I feel more confident moving to the right than I do to the left. Mm -hmm. But by being on a treadmill, the treadmill doesn't stop, you know, moving. So you got to constantly keep walking, even if you mess up in a way. You just have to correct yourself. And it's going to force you to get those steps in.
1: So you're going to get on a treadmill and use it for practicing shooting on the move. Correct. Is
0: that what you're doing? I think I'm too tall for a treadmill. Like for me to actually walk or run on a treadmill, I think I'm too tall. Uh,
1: your stride may be too long for one. Correct.
0: And that's the reason why I don't like treadmills. But for me to do the whole walking thing, My steps are literally, let's say, if I'm taking a one to four step, now I'm actually taking a one to two step. So I can actually do all that on the treadmill. And then, two, I got to squat down as well. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, you could still make Instagram videos when you slip off the treadmill and slide okay. your face across it and it throws you into the back of the wall. And...
0: You, you want me to put up a blooper reel? <laughs> <laughs> so the best part about that one is, is the fact if I do fall off the treadmill, it's going to throw me into my garage door because I don't want to <laughs> bring the treadmill in the house. I'm leaving it in the garage. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to
1: see it. We'll OK, uh,
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm actually going to put up a few videos of me, you know, doing the training and I had a conversation with Wally and the conversation was about movement. And of course, you know, he has stated once you're moving, you know, you move in every direction, you know, forward, back, left and right. Mm-hmm. And the more you do it, you're going to get better with managing that site on target. So, like I said, me personally, I think the best way to probably do that is probably on a treadmill because the treadmill is constantly moving. That's the only reason why I want to do it on a treadmill.
1: That's yeah, pretty interesting. i I'd never tried that. Um, what would you do? Just stick up a couple targets out in front of the treadmill and
0: yeah, just um, work
1: on sight picture Yeah, while, while well, you're moving?
0: What I'm thinking is, the because I have three walls, you know, around me, if I'm facing the front of the treadmill. And like I said, my garage door is behind me. So even if I open up the garage door just a little bit, I can bring it up to like my eye level, I guess, and put painters tape on the door and put like an X on that one. But I do have like the many USPSA EPSIC targets that I could put, you know, if I'm looking at the treadmill from the front you know, to my front and then my left and right. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think it'd be pretty interesting to, to try that and see how it works out for me.
1: Uh, I think it's definitely interesting. I want to see your your new workout video.
0: Coming up too. <laughs> <laughs> well, the best part about it is, is that we got Kida coming up for their interview, the movement coach, Kida from 180 Firearms Training. And I want to bring it up to her and see what she thinks about it and you know see if anybody ever says something or has she encountered something like that as well.
1: She she's probably gonna tell you to put on a 40-pound weighted vest, <laughs> put a 10-pound dumbbell in each arm, mm. hold those up like a gun, and and turn the treadmill up as fast as it'll go. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, like I said, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna put that joke on 0. .5. my <laughs> step on it. But, um, like I said, when I actually got it, I haven't even plugged it in yet. So, but I'm, I'm gonna put a video together, though. I'm gonna put a video together. Well, good. Yeah.
1: Um, I've been working on a lot of a lot of the stuff um, from Kita's training class. Um, I kind of felt like I got at a stagnant area in my training and um the after you know attending her class earlier this year she really is you know kind of lit another fire under me with some with a lot of uh, new stuff to work on movement wise and uh drills and 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 other different things with shooting not just movement but um i'm excited about it i'm excited about matches coming up again i don't know what the first one's going to be but (laughs) i'm going to be there wherever it is
0: well, I could actually say Mid-Carolina might be the first one. And from what I'm gathering, it still might be running the half-day format, even though we might get the all-clear to open up everything back up. Miss Linda still might run the half-day format, but I'm not certain because I haven't spoke to her about if yeah. everything opens again.
1: I've thought about that with the CSRA Shooters match. We're going to... We're going to try to have one right now. It's tentative that we're going to have one at the end of the May mm-hmm. on our normal fourth Saturday. Mm-hmm. We'll see how things go. still, you know, another month away, but we might could do something to limit the squad size, you know, maybe have more squads, have half-day format, you know, AM, PM, something like that maybe if we need to.
0: I think that might be a good idea because – If you were to do a match in May, that's the week before the South Carolina State match. And that can be the testing grounds for a lot of people who are doing, having chrono issues or working on some new techniques to try to spring in and spring out of positions or whatever the case may be. A week
1: before the state championship, you better not be having chrono issues.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you need to
0: straighten that out right now. <laughs> well, you know how it is. Some people <laughs> it could happen and they get it corrected right before <laughs> the match. So I guess. So, no, know, I actually, think
1: it'd be good. If we if we can make it work out, it'd be good. Get right. shooting again.
0: Yeah, so last year doing battle at the beach. I had issues at that match also. Ammo? Did
3: yeah. I
1: had,
0: yep. Ammo issues.
1: <laughs> oh, now you're, you, you got to get it straightened out. You better go this weekend and straighten it out.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. But I wasn't reloading. <laughs> I was um, purchasing my rounds then at this time frame last year. Okay. You know, so it was one of those type things, but like I said, a lot of times I'd be like, man, I need the camera on me at this moment. Other times I'd be like, man, I'm glad I do not have that camera on <laughs> right now. <laughs> yep. So anything else going on that um we need to be abreast of with CSRA shooters? No, not at the
1: moment. Like I mentioned, we're going to try to do a match for Saturday in May. You know, like uh, it's our normal uh, weekend. Um, as long as everything continues to look, you know, up like it is, we're we'll, we'll get out there. We'll figure out what kind of, you know, format we need if it's a split day format or or something like that. But um, okay. hopefully, we can do that. in the South Carolina State Championships coming up at the last weekend of May. All right. Um, I'm still going to be working on movement. Keith is giving me a whole list of stuff to work on. Nice.
0: But now we got Steve Anderson tentatively coming to Columbia, South Carolina on seven through eight May, because we were supposed to have them on the weekend of nine and 10 April. But because of the COVID-19, we pushed it forward a month and hopefully we stay clear enough where the class will happen this time. Now, everybody who signed up for that class We'll get coached by Steve Anderson on the match taking place that Saturday at Mid-Carolina. And then he's also doing the mental management class on the 10th. And he's only charging $200 for that mental management class.
1: That sounds pretty interesting. I'm I'm actually interested in that.
0: Yeah, me too. So um, if anybody is interested and want to sign up for that class, seats are open. You didn't have to take the practical class to – Get the mental management class if you just want the mental management class email me at info at or just dm me on facebook or instagram and i'll tell you what you got to do to get enrolled in the, into that class and that mental management is taking place on 10 may starting at 9 a.m and uh, we'll we'll talk about it in the next couple episodes and bring everybody abreast on it. And I'll have it. Pla- and actually, you can go to the M-W Tactical Facebook page and it's under events also.
1: Sounds good. Steve's got a lot of great knowledge to
0: share. Yes, I agree with that. Um, so I'm actually looking forward to that because people who actually achieve the highest mark in the sport of shooting, I do believe they have a lot to offer, you know, to people who are trying to reach that level. And I do believe his techniques are proven. And I do believe, you know, by him, like a, a steadily coaching people, you can actually start seeing that, that graph go up, you know, um, along with, you know, his, um, his insight i'm putting it like that
1: it's good It'd be nice to meet him i've never met steve I've, I've listened to his podcast a lot i feel like i know him kind of but <laughs> i've yeah. never met him It'd be good to say. nice I to meet him probably probably.
0: Would have met him like a couple years ago no i haven't oh wow uh,
1: he's hmm. a he's all the way uh up there in ohio
0: hmm. yeah so i met steve i was listening to his podcast and the last time I went to SHOT Show, he was saying he was going to SHOT Show and where to find him at. I went and found him. And I was like, hey, I want to come to your class, you know. And this is what the one that was up in Locust, Locust, North Carolina. 40- and yeah, yeah, I remember was actually hosting that class. So um, he put me in touch with um, the people that was running that, you know, went ahead, signed up for it and everything. And rest is history. Is that, did you lock him up My handcuffs? What happened there? <laughs> <laughs> so here's what took place. You know, it's a two-day class, so it was the end of the second day of class. So we had cleaned up the range. Everybody was saying, like, hey, let's go eat. And I'm more like, okay, I got to drive back home, so I'm already like an hour and a half away from home. But it's all interstate. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll go eat with you. And I'm not too familiar with that area of North Carolina cuz you know I grew up in Charlotte also. But the area of North Carolina we was at, I wasn't too familiar with it. Yeah. And whatever restaurant we chose to go to, it was more like like a family setting area. So all of us went. Man, it was probably about 20 of us or so. And we were sitting there and Steve was drinking, you know, beer. That's all he was drinking. But you can tell once a little bit of juice gets in him, that's when his comedic side comes out. (laughs) So he just started opening up and cracking some jokes, man. I was laughing so hard. And then all of a sudden he came up with this idea because um, our buddy Gil was an officer of the law. So he was like, hey, put your handcuffs on me and I'm just going to walk around act like you're arresting me. And we're just walking behind them laughing as they're doing this. And he was like, yo, could you please, like, he went to some lady and was like, can, can you just get my phone out my pocket, call my wife and tell her I'm getting arrested? <laughs> <laughs> so um, when we got to the back parking lot where everybody parked at. He was like, all right, let's go ahead and take these off. Well, Gil was like, Hold on, I gotta find the key. And he was like, Nah, for real. I'm I'm not playing Go ahead and take these off. He said, No, for real. I can't find the key. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> so um Gil literally tore up his police car looking for the key. He couldn't find it. So by this point, three officers had already passed us. <laughs> we could have easily flagged down start another. start trying house. to wave somebody down. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> So when you're sitting there looking at it, you know, people are like focusing on us because we're sitting in the middle of a parking lot and he's sitting there with handcuffs on and (laughs) an officer will come by slow creeping and Gil will wave at him. And then the cop will just kind of take off because he had on his uniform. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, maybe we should have just asked the, you know, the officer for his key. So I was like, Hey, worst case scenario is we go to the police station get them off, but then you got a lot of explaining to do. <laughs> or we could just go ahead and pick the lot. Yeah, um, let's do that. <laughs> so, you know, Steve kind of looked at me, and if you don't know me, or you're going to get one impression just by looking at me, but if you actually know a little bit about me, your perception is going to be a little bit different, you know, just like anybody else. So he kind of looked at me and was like, you know how to do this like that? And I kind of looked at Gil and Gil was like, yeah, Mike knows how to do that. You know, he's like retired military. And they did stuff like that in the military. He's like, Oh man, I, I never knew that about you. And I was like, yeah, there's a lot about me. You wouldn't know. Unless no, I... That's
1: something you don't really want to talk about. I keep yeah. a lockpick set in my pocket every day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so um, we ended up getting a paper clip and then, um, Gil was working on one cuff and Gil had like some pretty big fingers. So he really couldn't get up in the lock like he wanted to. So um, I actually did it. And I was like, man, it's been so long since I've done, you know, handcuffs. I can't remember how to do it. So when I actually remember how to do it, I was like, oh, yeah, I got it now. Like that. And then I actually ended up picking it. And in those the pictures <laughs> you saw that was on, um, on social media between me and Steve and That's everything. pretty I funny. Yeah. yeah, it was a fun time, and a lot of people was writing me, was like, Y'all staged that. Like, no, man, that was real. <laughs> <laughs> was no, just <laughs> lost the key. Yeah. So, <laughs> it is what it was. So, like I said, it was all in fun.
1: Well, Steve might not come back anymore after that. I don't know.
0: Well, you gotta remember, he's coming here um, May 7th and 8th, I think it is, for the class he's giving here in Columbia, South Carolina. <laughs> Well, Steve,
1: I have a lockpick set in case uh, unfortunate incidents happen
0: again. Yeah, so like I said, I found it funny overall. <laughs> like I said, we made the mess of it, so you know how that goes sometimes.
1: Well, good. Looking forward to uh,
0: looking forward to meeting him. Should oh, yeah. be a good class. Oh, yeah. So like I said, I think it will be overall the class and the mental management. So um, that's going to be a fun pack weekend. And I say if you really want to do it, please um, contact me and we'll go ahead and get you set up and get you registered for that class so you can join in on the fun that will take place because you know it's never going to be a dull moment. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, we're going to go ahead and um, take a break so our sponsors can say what they want to say. And at the same time, once again, please head on over to m-wtactical.com forward slash store, pick up a new shirt, we would appreciate it. And once again, we donate all the proceeds to that to charity. And make sure you go follow me on Instagram at munitions weapons tactical or just do a search for m-w tactical and it'll pop up. Or you can even put Woodland in the search and it's going to pop up on Instagram. On Facebook, just go ahead and go to M-W Tactical and you know subscribe to us on the Facebook page. But also on facebook go to csra shooters and subscribe to that page as private but you're gonna once you hit the join button you know maybe the mad scientist might say okay i'll invite you in but head on over to instagram and follow csra shooters also so anything else yeah. you want to say Dave?
1: that's it man I'm, I'm really excited about the possibility of uh you know some shooting starting back up again i'm ready to
0: get out there Yeah, it's coming. And um, I forgot to mention it earlier in the show. For those of you who are following this battle between Lucky and myself, (laughs) I am still up one to O for right now. (laughs) But um, Uh. hopefully soon it'll be two and O and then three and O. And then before you know it, Lucky got to buy me dinner when it gets closer to the Toys for Tots. (laughs) <laughs> so
1: you're hoping the quarantine lasts a little bit longer
0: is that way no 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 i, I am it over <laughs> with because i really want to go ahead and start going right. oh good so um like i said so please everybody stay seated and we're coming back with the interview with kita bussey the movement coach from 180 firearms training but before that here are some words from our sponsors
4: Hey, this is Brian Conley at Hunter's HD Gold. If you've never tried Hunter's HD Gold, then I challenge you to find me at a match next year. Go to the website under scheduled events, find out where I'm gonna be, come meet me in person and demo a pair for yourself. Find out why shooters across the United States are changing to Hunter's HD Gold to get 43% more light to their eyes, better contrast, eyes that are not fatigued at the end of the day based on the, the colors that we use, and find out the real meaning of why they change so you don't have to. So check us out on our website, huntershdgold.com, and I look forward to seeing you at the range soon.
3: JM4 Tactical has developed a state-of-the-art polymer holster that will quickly become your go-to holster. With high-quality Hermit oak leather securely sewn to the interior of the molded outer Bolteron shell, your draw becomes silent and no more scratches up and down your firearm. When seconds count, you can rest assured that you will have the upper hand when you need it most. Whether you carry open or concealed, the Relic holster is available in four different models, fitting over hundreds of different style guns. The new reliable, easy, light, individual carry holster by JM4 Tactical. Order your Relic today at jm4tactical.com.
5: Are you in the market to purchase your first or next firearm but find the atmosphere of a gun store intimidating, crowded, or uninviting? There's a way for you to purchase the gun you want while avoiding the crowds, the gruff salesmen, and the marked-up prices that come with a brick-and-mortar gun store. The process is called a transfer, where the purchase is made in an online store and sent to a federally licensed middleman called an FFL who processes the paperwork and background check for a firearm purchase. CAE Transfers is the FFL with the lowest transfer cost in the Midlands at only $20 or $15 with the presentation of a South Carolina Concealed Weapons Permit and $10 for repeat customers. If you live in Columbia, South Carolina, or its surrounding areas, choose CAE Transfers as your FFL during checkout and let me help you complete your online gun purchase. You can find and follow CAE Transfers online at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using at Transfers. Thank you for your business, and I look forward to seeing you soon.
6: The Gun Cleaners.
5: Our solvent is, I think, second to none. Our lube is second to none. Our lube's heavier than water, which is just a huge thing. People don't really put a lot of thought into that, just how huge that is to have on your gun, especially if you still carry.
6: The Gun Cleaners.
5: Oh, yeah, most definitely. You know, you're going to sweat a lot of the other lubes off. With ours, it'll stay there.
6: The Gun Cleaners.
1: And maintaining the quality of the process, the quality of the end result is another, and you guys are able to do both
0: with the process that you have there.
7: Order your supply of the lube and the solvent at www.theguncleaners.com.
0: Now we're going to go ahead and jump into a little bit of word 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 on the
3: street.
7: Thank you for listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. I am Coach B. A few weeks ago, you heard Michael and Dave talk about new shooters in the gun community due to the current pandemic. If you know of someone who is new to firearms, pass the word to contact us at M-W Tactical so they can receive free training. Yes, you heard me correctly, free. Michael believes that if you are new to firearms, that you should not be charged for the training. He says this is his way of saying thank you for being part of the 2A community. Contact me at info at m and we will get you scheduled for the free training. Since we are still under the advisory to be safe due to COVID-19, all events have been canceled or pushed to the right. For those who signed up for the Steve Anderson class, we pushed the class to May 7th and 8th. You will get coaching from Steve at the USPSA match on the 9th and the mental management class on the 10th. If you are interested in the mental management class offered by Steve Anderson but did not sign up for the practical performance class, you can still attend the mental management class for a cost of $200. Email me at info wtacticalcom for more information or to register for the class. As we stated earlier, all events have been pushed to the right due to the current situation the nation is dealing with. For those who have signed up for a Level 2 or higher match, please get with your match director to find out any reasonable solutions that can be worked out to fit your arrangements. Battle at the Beach taking place in Tabor City, North Carolina has been rescheduled as of now for May 28th through the 30th. Please contact the match director Mike Fritz at LowcountryUSPSA at gmail.com for more information. If you are interested in attending the Teach and Learn event that was taking place in Missouri on Memorial Day weekend, it has been postponed until Memorial Day weekend of 2021. For those of us who like to shoot our regularly, scheduled local matches check with your hosting club and see what the board has put out about holding a match some clubs are planning to host a match at their regularly scheduled time and react a week out to notify if the match is going to happen or not please check out the apparel that is offered at www.m-wtactical.com forward slash store there are some new shirts that are up now and if you notice you will see the Coach B shirt. Be on the lookout for the Coach B apparel to be coming soon. Please purchase a shirt or two and know that your purchase is going to help those who are in need. Visit www.m-wtactical.com forward slash store. For those who would like for your information of your shooting event to be featured on the M-W Tactical podcast, send me an email at info@m-wtactical.com at and in the subject line put Word on the Streets so we can inform those who listen to our show. There is no charge for the bulletin to let others know what is going on in the shooting community. Be safe out there.
3: JM4 Tactical has developed a state-of-the-art polymer holster that will quickly become your go-to holster. With high-quality Hermit oak leather securely sewn to the interior of the molded outer bolt shell, your draw becomes silent and no more scratches up and down your firearm. When seconds count, you can rest assured that you will have the upper hand when you need it most. Whether you carry open or concealed, The Relic Holster is available in four different models, fitting over hundreds of different style guns. The new reliable, easy, light, individual carry holster by JM4 Tactical. Order your Relic today at jm4tactical.com.
5: Are you in the market to purchase your first or next firearm but find the atmosphere of a gun store intimidating, crowded, or uninviting? There's a way for you to purchase the gun you want while avoiding the crowds, the gruff salesmen, and the marked up prices that come with a brick and mortar gun store. The process is called a transfer, where the purchase is made in an online store and sent to a federally licensed middleman called an FFL who processes the paperwork and background check for a firearm purchase. CAE Transfers is the FFL with the lowest transfer cost in the Midlands at only $20 or $15 with the presentation of a South Carolina Concealed Weapons Permit and $10 for repeat customers. If you live in Columbia, South Carolina or its surrounding areas, choose CAE Transfers as your FFL during checkout and let me help you complete your online gun purchase. You can find and follow CAE Transfers online at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using at CAETransfers Thank you for your business and I look forward to
0: seeing you soon. What's up, good people? Thank you for taking the time and listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. Please go visit the M-W Tactical store at www.m-wtactical.com forward slash store and help support our efforts by purchasing a shirt or two. If you haven't done so, Go follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for M-W Tactical. All right, good people. We're back at it. Another installation of an interview on the M-W Tactical podcast. This time, we have rejoining us, Keta Bussey, and of course, the mad scientist, my man, Dave. We're here. How's everyone doing today? Awesome.
1: <laughs> We're doing great. We're still alive and healthy. I'm
0: Hey, locked That's in. good right there. So, you know, COVID got everybody um bundled in like it's winter. But of course, where you are, Kita, it is kind of winter-ish.
8: It's still kind of chilly. The snow finally just melted yesterday. Mm. We had about oh. two feet.
0: <laughs> you can have it. Oh <laughs> you can keep have it. it all up there yeah. I'm, a, I'm allergic <laughs> to that snow so. uh, anything yeah. cold I'm allergic to
8: <laughs> usually I travel during that time but you know we're all stuck here
0: uh, usually travel yeah. to
8: warm places during the cold months.
0: No, that's what I do. I
1: go shoot a bunch of matches in Florida during the winter. And in the yeah. summer here, I, I go up north and shoot matches up there.
0: Right. <laughs> Dave, you sound, like a, you sound like an animal, man. Like a bird flying. <laughs>
8: <laughs> <laughs> well, the creatures of USPSA. <laughs> yeah, I guess.
0: We're, we are creatures. <laughs> yeah, that'll be it. So the last time we had a conversation with Keita, we kind of touched on the Ballpark of what she does, but during the interview, we never hit on a lot of things that I did not find out until later about um, Kita. So, Kita, we already know she is a movement coach, but before all that, which built the spectrum of the movement coach, she's also a veteran, she has a charity event that she's spearheading that she's doing it with specopscharity.com. Yes. She has a book and then a part two of the book. She also does video review. She has gear on her website, and then she has various classes like an intro and an advanced class. So all together, you have your hands full. <laughs> you sound really I busy.
8: My fingers in every jar.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a good thing. Busy is good, and I do agree with that. All right. So now the last time we spoke, we did speak a little bit about the charity event that you have with SpecOpsCharity.com. Now that kind of got pushed to the right a little bit because COVID kind of did shut everything down. So you want to talk a little bit about that?
8: Yeah. So now we're postponing the bike giveaway. It's a fundraiser so you can purchase fundraiser tickets for this custom Sergeant Will Gardner, Harley Davidson made by Gold Star Harley. The tickets are $10 a piece. Go to www.specopscharity.com forward slash Harley fundraiser to get your tickets. And these tickets go to our programs that help veterans, LE and first responders. And I had the um, competition training department. Where we reintroduce veterans to firearms in a fun and safe environment where we start out with airsoft in the morning and move to pcc in the afternoon then the following day they observe some pro shooters shooting a match we teach them basically the concepts of shooting in a competition and introduce them to all of the possible shooting sports available hook them up with a mentor from their area who can continue With them and bring them to their first match, make sure they have all the gear that they need, get them all sorted out, basically get them signed up for whichever one they're interested in and get them started. And then they will follow them through the program. So it's not just a one and done deal. Then um, we also have a behavioral psychologist on board who takes an inventory before they ever begin a program follows them through the program. And once they reach a certain point, they're offered a chance to become a mentor themselves. And it's not just a competition shooting program. We also have hunting, fly fishing, playing video games. I mean, whatever you can possibly think of. We have Harley riding clinics. We're working on getting into sport bikes with Kawasaki. We have a lot of good stuff going on, a lot of different programs available. Nice.
0: So now when... Is the last day you can actually purchase a ticket?
8: That will be the day before Veterans Day.
0: Oh, y'all yeah, push it to the wire, so the last possible moment you can still That's get the a last ticket possible for. moment. Yeah. Wow. So it's regardless of how close it is, and even since COVID nineteen, the price of the tickets are still ten dollars.
8: Yes, and the more tickets you purchase, the more you get free. So once you get five, you get one free. You get 10, you get two free and so on.
0: Hmm. Okay. So this is your chance to win a Harley Davidson by giving to a great deed. And I can actually say by me being in the military, I've seen other programs like this actually work for people to reintroduce them and giving that soldier a reinsertion. To life, because a lot of times once something happens to you in a tragic event like that, you kind of feel like you have nothing else to live for. And this actually opens your mind and shows you you're still able to move forward. And in the
8: the sports shooting program, it's called Heroes Day at the Range. I also work with people who are wheelchair bound or have prosthetics, which I also do in my classes. Mm -hmm. So showing them that even without legs, they can still run and gun or roll and gun, whatever it may be. Right. And also this custom Harley is signed by three actors. It's signed by Max Martini, um, Robert Patrick, and Gary Sinise. So if you win the bike, take off the tank and hang it on your wall,
0: put a new <laughs> tank
8: on there, and then you can drive it around.
0: <laughs> yeah. Basically what she's Very saying cool. is the gas tank is worth Big bucks because of the people who signing it.
8: <laughs> the bike is valued at ninety grand because wow. of the people who designed the gas tank and because of all the custom work.
0: Mm, that's that's awesomeness right there. So, moving forward, you did a book. So, yes. the first time we had a conversation, <clears throat> and I knew you did a book, but I was still trying to wrap my mind around the whole movement you know, teaching process. Now, of course, after further conversation with you, how hard was it for you to write this book far as movement and shooting?
8: Oh, it was easy. It was a brain dump. It was, I was bursting with all of the research I had done and it was actually kind of a relief to get it down on paper, so to speak. The hard part was the layout and the pictures and the editing and all of the other stuff that goes into producing a book, things that I had to learn how to do. Hmm. I know how to talk about shooting.
0: (laughs) Right. So my whole thing is this. I've been saying now for literally the past 10 years, I'm going to write a book about my life. And every time I start it, I get distracted or say, okay, I'm gonna figure out another way to do it. So it's a little bit easier for me. But you actually use your background because you used to be a nurse in some sense. Yes. All right. So now that right there gave you the ability to look at somebody, break down how they move, because that was in relation to what you did as a nurse.
8: Yeah. And becoming a registered nurse, you have to write a lot of research papers and do a lot of <laughs> research. So yeah. I learned how to research and how to write about it. So I think that helped with the writing process too. Another mm-hmm. thing I did that you might want to consider for your book is, I don't know if you did an outline or not.
0: Um, I started this book, uh, speaking <laughs> of what, probably 20 times already, <laughs> just didn't so, for it. <laughs> what
8: I would anticipate you are doing is you're sitting down and just starting to write.
0: Pretty much. That's pretty much. And then
8: you get distracted. So what you need to do instead is come up with an outline of topics that you want to cover. And then whenever you think about one of those topics, go sit at your computer and expand on that topic. So it's whatever has your interest in the moment. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Because As much research papers that I've done through my college years, I don't know why I didn't think of it like that.
2: (laughs)
8: It's It's just like how when you're dry firing, you want to rotate through all of your skills and bring them up as a whole. So think of it as rotating through the different parts of your book and bringing it up as a whole, and then it kind of blends together. You figure out how to get it to flow together.
0: Yeah, oh yeah, it makes perfect sense. So now okay. New direction. Dave, when we take that trip down to Florida for the nationals, mm-hmm. um you got a earful of this book I'm gonna put into you a film. <laughs> <So it's,
1: laughs> thanks to Kita, the book writing coach. <laughs>
0: that <is it>. Multifaceted. <laughs> hey,
1: hey,
2: exactly.
0: All right, so now I wanna really talk about the issue of your class teaching because Dave actually went there and did the class with you. So I want to yeah. kind of do a rehashing and live it so everybody listening can live it through Dave and see if this is something that can benefit them through the the sayings of somebody else. All right, cool. This class took place in New Smyrna, Florida. And how did it go for you, Dave? Uh, I
1: really enjoyed it. Um, i got so much out of it i am still working on you know some of the the techniques and and, and drills and and philosophy that i got out of the class um two-day class which i'm very thankful that that was a two-day class because the first day i got kind of uh just frustrated with myself i guess because i I'm always striving, you know, to, to, to do as well as I can at everything. And and some of the techniques and stuff that Katie was, was introducing were were new to me and I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't, I couldn't do the techniques, um, you know, the way I wanted to be able to do them initially. I I knew they were going to take some work and it was, it was frustrating to me. Um, It was just me. It was great information, but it was me wanting to be perfect at these at these techniques and drills. And um, I, the first day was was tough because I struggled with that a lot, just personally, you know, mentally.
0: Um, now, the, were you trying to show that okay, look, this is what I can do, or were you trying to adapt to okay, I'm opening to your learning? Because Dave is pretty fast on the gun and his movements for. Somebody who doesn't really know shooting, if they was to see Dave, they'll be like, Wow, you're pro quality. You know, but we can look at them and say, Okay, Dave, you're a fast, you need to slow down a little bit. But <laughs> I would <laughs> well- never say that. <laughs> <laughs> that's,
1: that's the wrong, wrong way to go there. No, slow down. No, it was I don't I n- have never wanted to try impress anyone with my shooting. It's it's all in me mentally. It's it's my desire to improve on my ability and, and my shooting and what I'm doing. And these drills were new to me and, and these techniques were new to me. Um I couldn't do them. <laughs> so it was it was tough for me, you know, initially. Um but but it was stuff it it was difficulty i was putting on myself really i mean it was i expect a lot of my, out of myself but it was it was great information and and i needed it i was i was at kind of a uh what i felt like anyway a plateau of of my training mm-hmm. and um i needed i needed this very much so
0: okay so now kita um did you pick that up from dave when you saw him yes <laughs> Okay, so now, what was your standpoint on Dave um, from your instruction quality?
8: He expects to... Well, he expects himself to perform at a particular level using things that he already knows. Well, this is like starting all over from scratch, like being a brand-new shooter. When you're learning all these techniques you've never done before, you have... I explain it as... um, In adult learning, it's not like a child where you open up the brain and just dump stuff in and then they create the neural pathways. With adults, you have to attach it to something you already have experience in, and that takes time. You're not just going to immediately be able to do a brand new skill without practicing it first. So I did pick up on his frustration. Um, I gave him enough feedback. So what I did with him was sort of – back off on the feedback a little bit. So he has time to internalize and process what he's doing, what he needs to change and how he can approach that and work on it to change it. Rather than giving him constant feedback, which is what I would normally do with someone learning a new skill. When someone's learning a brand new skill, they need frequent feedback to correct the action. But he understood cognitively what he needed to change. It was just a matter of connecting those neuro pathways that already exist. <laughs>
2: okay. This is
1: what amazed me so much about Kita's uh, coaching—that yeah. she's able to see these things and, and verbalize these these things that are going on in in, in your head and. <laughs> I, you know, I don't, there, there's other, you know, other things that she, she's mentioned throughout the class, but that kind of thing right there, she knew uh, the way to approach me and what I was experiencing in in the class with the instruction and, and how to tailor it to me as an individual.
8: He has enough experience in shooting that he has all these things he can attach it to. And it's like, if someone throws a million dollar bills at you and you're trying to grab them out of the air
2: <laughs>
8: and he's trying to attach them to things that already exist, he has places to attach them to, but there are so many of them, which I think actually made it even harder for him because he was more experienced. He And I told him, just go home, sleep on it. Tomorrow, you're going to be a whole new shooter.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. So now... Let's back up a little bit before we go to day two. So you already saw his frustration and now he's working through the frustration. Now, did you have to do anything special to kind of get him to say, okay, let me slow this down and do baby steps? Or did you just tell him specifically like, okay, you're doing this, try this? Or how did you actually approach it?
8: So I asked questions because I wanted him to come up with the answers for himself and realize for himself that he had to break it down into baby steps. I didn't want to do that for him. I wanted him to go through the cognitive process of coming to the realization on his own that he needed to do that. And eventually on day two, he got there. And uh, I, I think I did I draw out a footwork agility ladder on the ground?
1: Uh, We had an agility ladder. Oh,
8: we had an agility ladder. That was a different class. Sorry. We had an agility ladder, a footwork agility ladder, so that he could actually visualize taking smaller steps rather than taking large lurching steps where you're catching all of your weight on one foot all at once rather than breaking it up between multiple steps because it's more jarring on your sights, it's harder on your joints, then your muscles are at full stretch and they've got nowhere to go and you can't push off as aggressively. And it's a lot harder to control and easier to overrun positions and miss your spot. So just trying to have him visualize breaking down those steps into smaller steps because he's been doing it for so long and it's been working for him at the level he is at. But now to push past that This is where I talk about decision training. If you happen to read the post I made on my 180 page on Facebook about decision training.
1: I did read it.
8: So this is what happens. You use this decision training and then you drop down 20% in your performance. Yep. And that's (laughs) expected. So if you are training properly using decision training, you expect to see about a 20% decline in your performance. And then it starts slowly going back up and it's basically, you have to get worse to get better, which right. sucks, but
2: that's how it work.
1: That's a hard thing to handle, but I, yes. And that's what I was, uh, I guess what I was kind of struggling with, but I understand it now. And, um, you know i've been trying to implement you know a lot a lot of techniques in the practice um that you talked about and i'm looking forward to shooting a match again that might be interesting
8: and i i always tell my students to expect that at your next match you're going to suck because you've <laughs> learned all this new stuff and you're trying to incorporate it and it's If you are learning properly, you should see a decrease in your performance of about 20%. If you don't, then you didn't listen to anything I said. (laughs) (laughs) But then we expect it to come back after a couple matches and a bunch of practice, and then it should shoot up. And depending what level you were to begin with, shooting up is going to be either really dramatic or really small. So if you're an elite, world-class pistol shooter who wins the world shoot, then you might drop 20%, go back up that 20%, and gain another
2: 5%. Yes. If
8: you're a pretty new shooter, then you might drop 20%, go back up that 20%, and gain another 20%, or even 50%, because you have so much low-hanging fruit. Right.
1: All right. I just need about 10%, and I'll be there.
0: All right. so now dave when she actually um did the portion of breaking it down with the agility ladder what was your thought process doing that round
1: oh that was the most frustrating thing of the training i could not do it <laughs> i've never tried to do an, an agility ladder before and and it man it frustrated the crap out of me i think it was like right before lunch that we that we brought that out, and uh, we tried to do a couple little drills. But I couldn't do it, and uh, Our, I kept
8: the agility ladder is also slightly smaller than what, <clears throat> excuse me, what your steps actually need to be. So you have to keep that in mind too—that they don't actually have to be that tiny. It's kind of an exaggeration to just sort of break the habit.
1: It was, and and I now have my own agility agility ladder, and they're spaced out a little bit further. But it still tightens up my steps. Um, My struggle, I think, that I'm trying to work through was maybe a longer leg length or or taller stature. It it had or some hip issues that I've had in the past have have given me a tendency to want to take big, big lurching steps like Kita mentioned, um, like leaving positions. Um, which kind of slows me down and where I could be taking, you know, kind of too quick, you know, multiple steps getting push, pushing off the ground twice instead of a big lurching one, one step. And um, that's kind of what I've been trying to use the agility, agility ladder for uh, by Katie's recommendation.
8: Now, have you tried the barefoot dry fire?
1: I have not done that yet. I have thought about it. Several times, but I have not done that yet. Oh, I actually yeah. saw one of your videos recently where you were, it was a video review or something. You were barefoot in the living room. And I thought, well, dang it, I need to do that. I'm going to take my shoes off next time I go draw fire.
0: <laughs> so explain the barefoot draw fire. <laughs> you want to
8: take that, David?
1: Do, um, well, it was, uh, the way kid explained it to me, it gives you a little more sensitivity uh, you you can feel a lot more about what your feet are doing, mm-hmm. and that was that was kind of her idea of, of of or suggesting that to me to um you know kind of feel my steps and 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 feel if I'm taking a you know whether I'm taking a bigger st- a larger step reaching out too far or not.
2: So
8: imagine running outside in your backyard barefoot. Okay. Are you going to take really big steps
0: running barefooted? No, because I would think if you're running barefooted, you're going to take half of a stride versus that full stride because of you're running more on the balls of your feet versus heel to toe.
8: You're accelerating. Okay. So acceleration is on the toes. Toes are the gas, heels are the brakes. Another thing is, if you're running barefoot outside, you never know what you might step on. (laughs) So you don't want to be taking that huge lurching step, catching all of your weight at once on that one foot. It's like laying on a bed of nails. You're spreading it out between all of your steps rather than catching it all in one, catching all of your weight at once. So that's a bad habit when you're trying to speed up or slow down or move around obstacles. You don't want to be at full stride unless you're actually sprinting, Hmm, which is pretty rare in our sport. So taking off your shoes, you will naturally take smaller steps because you never know what you're gonna step on. Subconsciously, you're just going to shorten your stride without even thinking about it.
0: Okay, so now what about like for me? I got flat feet, (laughs) but it hurts when I walk around with no shoes on. I can do it for maybe what, three minutes at the most, probably, and then I gotta put some form of a shoe on, a slipper or something.
8: Yeah, so for you, I wouldn't do that. It's gonna be painful.
0: Yeah, exactly. Do you <laughs> yeah. have
8: plantar fasciitis? Correct. Yeah. Do you use the golf ball to roll on it?
0: Uh, I, I use a water bottle, or frozen water bottle, and oh, I just good. kind of massage it like that, and another thing I yeah, do is right. Yeah, well, I do that the calf stretch also, but if I'm sitting someplace and if anybody ever notices it, and I know Dave is going to notice it now when I'm at a match, the fault lines, uh, half the time, like when people are doing stage walkthroughs or whatever, I will balance on the fault line and kind of like roll my feet on the fault lines to kind of massage my feet a little bit. Mm-hmm. I've already noticed that, but I didn't know why you were doing
8: that. I that, it said plantar fasciitis.
0: Yeah. yeah that's not, that's,
2: I don't that's have my any medical secret.
0: training. Yeah,
1: that's, that's my little secret right <laughs> there. Yeah. People have all their weird techniques at the matches. I don't know. I thought okay. maybe that was one of yours. <laughs>
8: it's funny. Right. I didn't even see you do it. I just knew you had plantar fasciitis.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's
8: the weirdest thing I do as a coach. That oh, I understand.
0: <laughs> All right. So now moving on to day two. So I do know this that when I did speak to Dave, one of the first things he said when he was down there in Florida taking the match, you stated at the beginning of the class to take some ibuprofen and drink plenty of water. <laughs> yeah. So the day Dave said at the end of day one, hey, I'm glad I took that advice. So. <laughs> What did you do to make this a painful experience just with movement <laughs> for people? Well, it was it. painful.
1: It was the end result, but the experience was not painful. Okay.
8: Basically, it's um, self-driven. So um, I tell them to bring a thousand rounds, and however motivated you are is how many rounds you're going to use. Also, with the movement, however motivated you are, is how many reps of that drill you're going to get in. So if you're ready to roll and you want to do it another time, I'm not going to stop you. But you're going to be hurting after a whole day of doing it as many times as you can.
0: Right.
8: So, for example, David uh, likes to do a drop step. And we were trying to learn another type of step out of a position other than a drop step. But he kept on drop-stepping. Do you remember this, David? No, I do. Do you remember what I did?
1: Put your foot up against mine. I put my foot
8: up against the side of his foot so that he couldn't take that step in the opposite direction. So he could only step in the right direction. So then he got it in his head that he was going to murder that drop-step. He was going (laughs) to get it. So he went and practiced. So we we had a drill bay. And then we had a stage set up that they could practice on. So he went with his buddy over there and they're running each other. And he kept on and kept on and kept on after that drop <laughs>
2: to
8: get rid of that. Yeah. So again, it depends on your level of motivation. If you're sore at the end of the day, I'm happy because I know that means you put in maximum effort and you were relentless in trying to get rid of something you didn't want to be there or learn something new.
0: Hmm. Okay. So what was your take on it, Dave?
1: I was sore for about four days afterwards. I was really wanting to get after and and practicing more of these drills and techniques and stuff, but I really didn't think my body could do it. (laughs) Yeah.
8: And I, I walk them through stretching routines and things like that to help prevent injuries when we do the class. Another thing is, if I know of an injury or I see that someone has an injury, I will not allow them to do more than maybe two or three repetitions.
0: Right. Okay.
8: But no, I knew but he would be back on his feet in about a week.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but it take,
8: I,
2: got,
1: I got a little less than a week, but I now with my, my dry fire and my movement stuff I'm, I've been doing outside, I've been working with the agility ladder, I have some of the little plastic cones that I set up for, you know, moving to different positions in the backyard for dry fire stuff. I don't feel like at least in my dry fire that I, I have the drop step problem anymore that, that I had in the class. Okay. As I, I've really been working on it. We have not had a lot of matches to where I can, um, you know, put it to the test uh, officially, but I feel I feel pretty good about it. I feel like I'm definitely making progress e- either way.
8: Yeah, and a drop step isn't a bad thing, but in the right time and the right place, not out of every single position.
1: Sure, yeah. Some you know, sometimes it's definitely beneficial, but I, I was doing it too often where where I didn't need to be.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so now, how did day two actually? transfer because now it almost sounds like you're in Dave's head and well, is that it... happened
8: in the first five minutes. <laughs> uh, all
0: right. So now, now that you're actually in his head and now you're playing puppet master, how did you orchestrate the the rest of the class knowing this?
8: So the second day we do less physical stuff. Um, it's more about, um, training your eye movement and um, transition drills and things like that. Your arm movement during the transition drill, your eye and head movement. So it's less running around. Okay. So just letting them know that right away at the end of the day. So it's kind of like, Oh, thank goodness. (laughs) And then it lifts that weight off their shoulders that they're coming in with thinking, Oh, I don't know if I can do this again for a whole other day. So that's how I start out is just letting them know. Today is not going to be as, as hard yeah,
0: <laughs> physically.
2: Actually. All right. So what, mental, your,
0: mental. Yeah. so what was your um, take on that day, knowing that going into day two, but how did you think that helped you out far as working day two drills with day one drills in a sense of speaking without so much pain?
1: Well, I didn't really know what to expect for, from day two, but I was, I was, Committed to do the same thing I did the first day. If I had to, I would have done it again and then, you know, had to crawl back to the car after it. But, (laughs) you know, I I was going to do it. But this was a whole different aspect of training that I really enjoy. And it was really beneficial to me. And I have really been practicing this. Every morning, uh, I mentioned earlier, I'm getting up at 3.30 now just because of my work schedule. But I'm getting up at 3.30 to do my dry fire before work. And I'm working on a lot of these uh, visual techniques and, and snapping the eyes from target to target. And a lot of the stuff that we worked on from the day two training, um, it's very different from the day one training. Is the, the day one is a lot of physical movement stuff, but the day two is a lot of visual um, and some, you know, some mental training in there, too, that I've found it takes a lot of focus for me to, you know, if I'm looking at an array of a, array of targets to, to use the quiet eye technique like he is teaching mm-hmm. and, and snapping your eyes from, from target to target and using and maintaining the quiet eye as you're going from target to target. It's, it's frustrating. It, it's difficult. It takes a lot of practice and a lot of focus.
0: Hmm. Okay. So what else did you, well, not what else, but once you realized that it was more mental, how did you actually prepare yourself for that? And, or did you find it a challenge? Let me put it like that. Um, well,
1: yeah, it was definitely a challenge um but you know that's that's the reason for the training to expose you to to these techniques new techniques but it it's something that i think i don't know you don't realize maybe when you when you first start shooting when you when you're getting into the sport you just need to learn how to shoot you know and and but once you learn that then there's so much more you have the movement part of up part of the game and then you have the visual part of the game. And I think it's so for me right now, the, the visual part is so important um, as well as the movement. I, I, you know, everything is teaching pretty much everything she's taught me is, is, is what I'm focusing on right now. I don't know how to shoot a gun. Yeah. I'm not, you know, I'm not worried about shooting the gun. Right. Um, but this other stuff is, is, you know, you, you can break it down into so many different details and, um, and you know, so many different aspects and in and, and all this visual mental and, and, and movement training is going to benefit me greatly.
8: Training your eyes where to go on a stage is far more important than training your feet where to go.
1: Yeah. I, it's, I notice when I'm not, uh, I guess.
7: focused.
8: S-
1: s- yeah. Seeing the, the quiet eye when my eye is not quiet, when it's, I don't know what you call it, but have a noisy eye. I I noticed that.
8: (laughs) (laughs) When you're jumping between multiple focal points rather than focusing one. Yeah. I notice
1: it. I notice it. And, Mm. um, most of the time though, it's, it's not like that, but I, but I do notice it almost instantly and it, and it triggers something in, in my mind, like a response to, to get back on focus and, and, get my eyes back where they need to be i don't i don't know how to explain that but
8: and that's all i wanted you to take from that drill i don't expect you to be able to do it perfectly immediately i just want you to be able to self-diagnose and know when you're doing it correctly so that you can replicate that on your own
1: i definitely notice when i'm doing it correctly and when i'm not most majority of the time i feel like i am but i definitely notice when i'm not and and you know, like the ladder drill, it frustrates the crap out of me when I'm not doing it correctly. But but you know, that's that's the game. That's part of the game. We're always we're always working on you know things like this to improve and get better.
8: And Michael's over there, like, what is this quiet eye voodoo?
0: <laughs> it is it is some voodoo. Yeah, so my whole thing is is like I was telling Dave that I do want to bring you to Columbia, South Carolina, but of course when the COVID-19 took place, everything was on pause. So I didn't want to talk to you about it until it got close to the end. And right about now we're pretty much at the end and everything is starting to open back up. So, um, but we're going to discuss that to get you out here because anything far as training, that's going to help me become better with the craft of shooting. I am all about it. And well, one of my things is I do want to kind of run with Dave and compete on that level. But. um, Oh, good luck. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. <right. laughs> but, um, I'm just... it, that's the one of the focal points is to try to bring you out here. And so the class can be taught. And we have um, asked a couple people and there is enough interest in the area to bring you out here as well.
1: Definitely. Yes. We'd love to get you out here.
8: That'd be awesome. Oh, My yeah. first class back is going to be next month in Texas. It's full already. It's um, May 9th and tenth in White Right, Texas. So I just had to book that flight today. I think I got the last seat because they only have one flight going. <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: wow! <laughs> Man. Well, that that's early. I'm glad. I'm glad you're able to do that, though. I'm glad early May. I wasn't sure what was happening. Yeah. I'm still not. Nobody's sure, I guess. But...
8: You know, it could still get. Canceled. I don't know. As far as I know, it's still on. And then I'll be in New Jersey at the end of May.
0: Okay. So now, at the beginning of um, this interview, we actually stated that you wrote a book. But now you're about to do a second book. What's the second book going to cover?
8: So I'm working on the second book. It's going to be a while. This is it's in its infancy. Okay. But the second book is about how to train how to put together your training plan, how to learn a skill in half the time. There is a scientifically proven method to learn a skill in half the time using something called spacing and interleaving. And then this decision training that I was talking about earlier, it's the process I use to teach my class. Um, the decision training helps with retention. If you practice in a block practice, where um, let's say you practice your draw 10 times in a row, that's a block practice. If you practice your draw from hands at surrender and then hands behind your back and then the gun starts on the table unloaded and then the gun starts on the table empty chamber but mag seated and so on and you keep alternating through these skills, randomly choosing a different one each time, that's that's called uh, a variable, variable practice. So in the short run, you get very frustrated and you fail. <laughs> okay. In the long run, retention is so much better and the transferability of skills. So you can transfer that skill much more easily to a stage in a match because um, if you're plat- practicing the same thing repeatedly, you go on autopilot. Maybe you pay pay attention to the first one or two tries, and then after that, you zone out. You're just going through the motions. It's not doing you any good. So as soon as your practice is over, even though you feel like you got really good at drawing the gun from the holster to a sight picture because you saw a dramatic improvement during those 10 times you did it in a row, that's going to drop off very quickly. You're not going to retain it. But if you're practicing drawing from the table and then drawing from your hands interlaced behind your head and then an unloaded start and rotating through everything randomly, you're going to get really frustrated because you're not getting any better at any one of them because you can't repeat it. Right. (laughs) So that's going to keep you engaged because you're going to get pissed off. (laughs) (laughs) So it keeps your head in the practice. Right. And you have that skill transfer of skills to a stage. So then you can pick any one of those skills and draw from it. Where if you go and shoot a stage in a match right after your block practice, all you can do is draw the gun from the holster. Hmm.
1: So that's something I've been uh, per to suggestion. I've been incorporating that into my live fire practice um, since the class. And Man, it is frustrating, but <laughs> it it definitely in engages me mentally. I'm I'm looking at you know I set up a stage or something at, at the range. I'm able to leave stages set up um, at sharpshooters and 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 you know practice on them off and on. But I'll, uh, per key to suggestion, I'm running it different uh, every time, thinking about you know a different stage plan every time, and running it just in some obscure way that you probably wouldn't normally run it in a match really, really. But just to get, you know, you know, thinking about um, your, your plans and get, getting you mentally engaged in, in, in your shooting. It's been interesting.
8: Well, as long as the skill that you're trying to work on stays the same, it's not changing what you're practicing. I mean, you're working on your draw. There are a lot of different kinds of draws. If you're working on planning a stage, you never know what kind of weird thing you might have to do. So if if you plan it in some messed up way that you would never plan it normally, there might be some requirement that forces you to shoot it that way. So you're still working on your stage planning. You're just making a stupid plan, but you're doing it on purpose.
1: Yeah. And I did that a couple of times and it was, you know, thinking about it while I'm standing there ready to shoot, I was like, man, this is really dumb way to shoot a stage, but, <laughs> but it, you know, it worked out it actually worked out. I mean, I didn't, I didn't get stuck anywhere looking for targets or, you know, anything weird like that. It was, I was mentally engaged in the stage plan and I ran it, you know, to the best of my ability. And, you know, I think, Planning wise, you know, mentally, um, it's going to be great. It's going to definitely benefit me if I you know, can continue to do stuff like that.
8: And Michael, this would crush your soul because you are the kind of guy I can tell just by looking at you. I don't know why, but you are the kind of guy who's got to do it perfectly. So I would Mm -hmm. anticipate if you're in the middle of a run and something starts going sideways, you probably if it's bad enough, you'll just stop and start the run over remember, in a match, you can't do that. You've got to push yeah.
0: through it. Yeah, and actually, yeah, I am. I am like that. And even <laughs> if it was at a match and I messed up at a certain point in the match, I will literally give slow up. down. Well, not so much give up, but I will still do it. It just wouldn't be at the level I'm at. I would like just finish off the, the stage. And But once I finish it and I mess up, I'll talk about it for a little bit. But then I throw it over my shoulder. And I really don't think about it again until I get into the vehicle to drive home.
8: Well, the thing that would really compound your frustration with this style of practice is that then you can't do it again. Right. You have to wait until it comes back around in the rotation and then you get to do it again. But Mm. what that does is it forces you to draw that information from your long term memory rather than doing it again one time right after the other. Then you're just drawing it from your short term memory. And then it goes in one year out the other. By the time you leave practice, you don't even remember. But if you had to wait that whole time for it to cycle back through before you could do it again and prove to yourself, you can do it. You're going to remember that.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I said, I'm, um, I'm interested in, in doing the class and picking up all this stuff. And of course, you know, every time I'm shooting, you know, Dave, he'll sit there, he'll critique me and tell me what he thinks and everything. And since he took your class, of course, we haven't even shot together since then. But I'm just curious to actually shoot a match with him so he can actually say, hey, I picked this up, think about this, or however, you know, he comes across with his message. But I'm very interested in actually, like I said, bringing you to Columbia, South Carolina and getting a class and then sponging everything from you
8: yeah and these things we're talking about now are more what the advanced class is about okay the advanced class is frustrating <laughs> <All
2: right.
8: laughs>
1: i want to know more about it tell me yes, tell me more about it it's yeah, not so,
8: physically demanding but it's very frustrating so it, more mental Yes, it's a lot more. We talk about how to set up your training plan, rotating through the skills using um, randomization, the spacing and interleaving, you know, this scientific process that's proven to cut the time in half that it takes you to learn a skill. So we talk about that and how to set up your training plan. And at the end, I have them go through what they think they should do for the next week for their training plan. And then I give them my feedback to make sure they're on the right track. The first thing I do is set up a stage that's a blind stage. So I set it up by myself. Everybody else is off getting their gear ready or whatever while I'm setting up the stage. Then I set up a drill for them to run each other on in one bay and have one shooter at a time come over to the stage. And they're not allowed to talk about it. They get... 30 seconds to look at the stage. They get a stage description. Once the stage descri- description is done, they can turn around. They get 30 seconds to walk the stage. That's it. Then they have to turn back around and go to the back of the bay facing the other direction and
1: visualize.
2: <laughs>
1: you get a round count?
8: They get a round count. Okay. They can take as long as they want to visualize. And meantime, the other guys are working on how to... Kill- Calculate hit factor. Hmm,
1: I got it. I think I could do it. You give me as long as I need to visualize the stage. I, I could do it. Round count, 30 seconds. I could do it.
8: You get 30 seconds to look at it. And it's not an easy stage. It's a long field course. Usually about 32 rounds or so. So it's a lot of targets to remember.
1: That is a lot. Yeah. I would like to do it.
8: It's very challenging. It
1: sounds very challenging and very interesting.
8: So then the next thing I have everybody do is mess with each other. Mike
1: likes
2: that.
8: I will go. (laughs) When I was in South Africa, I was training all the, they're all the national champions now, but they all took my class. It was like the class of champions or something.
2: Hmm. So
8: I'd go and whisper in one guy's ear, hey go shove that piece of paper in his mag well so when he goes to seat his mag on the draw it won't stick
1: oh the dirty
2: trick there
0: that's (laughs) that's that's mean right there
8: (laughs) or i'll uh have one guy steal another guy's magazine flip around the other way and shove it back in there and then put the ones on top the right way so they'll be shooting and then one of them won't go
1: <laughs> mm. so i've actually seen something like that happen at a match where people have have pasters or patches
2: of the S- south, Af- south of
1: africa it. doesn't like pasters. Right? yeah they don't like patches olives. target patches have been stuck in the magwell you know by accident somehow they managed their way in there
8: That's not on accident i have
2: thought
8: it was on purpose or they like drop your hammer or pull back your hammer when you're walking around and
2: it's yeah it.
0: well
1: stuff happens
0: yeah, sudden, I'm still focused on the the long course where you got 30 seconds to look at it because the way I'm thinking about it I'm thinking about it from a military standpoint and when I say a military standpoint is I'm and this is how I'm absorbing this I'm not worried about where the targets are I just need to know where I need to be at to engage the targets.
8: So, this is where it carries over from the first class. In the first class, I give you the formula. In the second class, you have to apply the formula.
0: Oh, okay. And
8: I did that to these guys from day one to day two. I gave them the formula, and then day two, I tricked them (laughs) to see if they would follow the formula.
1: Yeah. Everybody failed.
8: Everybody failed.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So... Okay. But me, I think, I don't think I filmed. I got the first part of it right anyway.
8: Yeah. Yep.
2: Yeah.
0: All right. So the advanced class. So I'm still looking forward to just the intro class before going to the advanced class. But I do know you offer the services of if I am have somebody recording me at a match, I can send you that video and you will break it down and give your input. So how does that work on your end? <laughs>
8: So if you want to do this, you've got to have a video that involves movement. You don't want to just be standing and shooting like a classifier or something. That's mm-hmm. I'm not going to be able to help you much with that. So make sure it involves significant movement. Make sure it involves your whole body and your feet. Okay. Then you send if you're a former student you get four videos. If you haven't taken the class before, you only get three because it takes me longer to explain things since you haven't taken the class. So right. it's $50 for three videos. Former students get four. Upload those videos to Dropbox. Share them to my email, 180 training at gmail.com. I will download them to my phone, and I use the Shot Coach app to run them through the app. So I can actually slow down the video, pause the video, draw on it, draw angles, draw lines and arrows, and then I voice over it so you don't have to read through anything. I'm just talking over the video. Then at the end, I will give you specific drills that can help you with the things that I see are a common problem. I also try to tell you what you're doing right because you might not know what things you should keep on doing. And then also tell you what you can work on and prescribe drills to go with that.
2: So, Mm
1: -hmm. so I took this uh, video review approach first before I took Keita's class in person. And it helped me out uh, dramatically. I think Um, she critiqued some of the videos that, um, that I sent her and I had this um, twinkle toe issue as she calls it (laughs) um, that I apparently resolved between the time of the video review and our actual one-on-one class. She did not see my twinkle toe uh, appear in the class from what she told me.
8: Nope, not even (laughs)
2: once. So -hmm. so
1: my issue was I was going into position shooting around corners, and I was getting my weight kind of biased to one side, and I was lifting up, uh, I guess, my outside foot um, to where my my outside – Foot was kind of on the on the toes, and most of my weight was just on on the inside leg when I was shooting around the corner. So I wasn't as stable as I could be uh, for that shooting position, and that was something I never noticed. That's something you can't see uh, while you're shooting. Um, that's something that Kita had to point out to me in, in the in the video review, and it helped me a lot. And it was something that I was able to you know think about and focus on. You know, when I was going into similar positions afterwards and, and working on that, getting down lower, lowering your body, bending your knees more mm-hmm. and uh, seem to take care of that, get get a more stable shooting platform.
8: And I really look for things that I'm seeing consistently. I mean, everybody does stupid stuff sometimes, stuff we don't need to do. But what I'm watching for and the reason I need three or four videos so I can see if you're doing it every single time, because then it's something that needs to be addressed.
0: Hmm. Okay, so now let me ask you this: I ended up going out the other day and got getting a treadmill.
2: <laughs> I and
0: <saw> <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I'm thinking that <laughs> so I'm thinking the treadmill will help me with my movement. As far as shooting on the move.
8: Number one, Mm -hmm. you have plantar fasciitis. Mm -hmm. A treadmill is the worst (laughs)
2: possible thing
8: you can exercise with plantar fasciitis.
0: (laughs) You need a bike. You need to learn to shoot from a bike. (laughs) So now here's the funny part about this. So I made a video about showing me on the treadmill. And describing what I'm doing and how I'm trying to do it. Now, when I was moving, doing a movement on my right-hand side, simulating moving to the left, I noticed on my right foot, my foot was killing me. But I'm like, well, maybe it's because I undid the laces on my strings so the shoe would give a little bit. But I had to change the way I was stepping. And I was like, is this such a good idea? And, and then I started thinking, maybe I just need to use the treadmill on a day when it's raining and I can't go outside of my backyard to work on movement. So, and then I started second guessing myself, <laughs> but now you just confirmed it for me. Like, <laughs> okay, I'm good now. I'm good now. <laughs> so
8: running on a treadmill is really hard on all of your joints.
2: Mm-hmm.
8: It's much better to run on like trail running on uneven terrain actually strengthens your, mu- your uh, ankles mm-hmm. and the terrain is never the same. Each time your foot lands, your body has to compensate for it and it makes you stronger and more stable. Um, but running on, um, what do you call that? Like a track, you know, like a high school outdoor track, like greased lightning, <laughs> what right. they're, on. <laughs> mm-hmm. something like that is going to be much better for your body. Yeah, so if you're just, wrong.
0: I I didn't even want to put that video up online because saw it. No, no, no. The video. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The video y'all saw was the first day I got the treadmill. Um, the second day I had the treadmill. Now I'm in the garage and I'm actually got my belt on and I'm presenting the gun and everything. But like I said, when I was Pointing to the right, simulating moving to the left, I almost fell like two or three times. Man, you didn't fall, though. No, I didn't fall. I almost fell. (laughs) (laughs) but Because those braces was right there.
8: (laughs) The reason why is humans don't need to look at where they're going in order to have locomotion. Mm-hmm. We can look at objects that we're passing and see them change orientation and change in size, getting bigger as they get closer, smaller as they get farther away, changing their orientation as we move past them. You're on a okay. treadmill, so nothing's going anywhere, and right. you lose that ability to have locomotion without looking at where you're going.
0: Hmm. Well, I know noticed when I was falling. <laughs> When I noticed the bumper of my truck change angles a little bit, I I automatically just grabbed. I'm like, nah. (laughs) But um, the downside to that, that's when I started coming up with, maybe it wasn't a good idea to do this or am I doing something right or wrong? But I did tell Dave, I was going to bring it up to you to see what you thought about it. But I did send the video to Dave, but I just didn't put the video I'm talking of on social media. (laughs)
8: i'm not going to say that it's not a transferable skill because i don't know that it's i don't think it's been tested in shooting so without any evidence to support or refute it i would say it could be transferable it may not be or it might be you could see if it works for you if you have plantar fasciitis or any sort of joint injuries i would not recommend using a treadmill and if you have any balance issues, obviously that's gonna mess with you. If you um, have had tubes in your ears as a kid and things like that, it's gonna mess with you trying to rotate your body around when you can't tell what progress you're making on the treadmill because nothing is actually moving past you. Hmm. Did you have tubes in your ears at a as a kid?
0: No, 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 I didn't. No, I didn't. Gosh, Kita, if you called that, that would have been amazing.
8: That would have been hilarious.
0: <laughs> but now, my thing is, Dave, we got to take the treadmill to the range and put it to the test.
1: Well, you have no intentions of like long distance running or walking on the thing. Maybe you know you're you're using it at a slow pace just for you know, short term movement, it might be be beneficial if it's specifically, you know, a technique that you want to work on. You're not going to mess with your plantar fasciitis that much. I wouldn't think you're doing it for, you know, a
0: couple minutes at a time or something like that. Yeah. But now when I was on the treadmill, I didn't go past 1.5 miles an hour. And at the same time, like I said, when I started noticing any pain in my feet, it was only when I was facing towards the right and it was hurting my right foot more. So. And I think it was just the angle because, you know, stepping kind of sideways.
8: One of the things I could see being a problem is how this would affect your vision. Like what you said where you can't have regular locomotion forward because you can't see the things moving past you getting bigger as they get closer. Part of shooting on the move is that your body is in motion, but your eyes and your sights have to stay still on the target while you're moving. But if the target Mm -hmm. isn't actually, or you're not moving past the target, the target is staying in the same exact spot when you're on a treadmill. So it's not really a fair simulation. It's not what actually happens on a stage.
0: Right. Right. Hmm.
2: I I didn't think about that. Yeah, I ain't think yeah. about that the targets already.
1: are not changing size at all like they would be when you're actually yeah. shooting on the move.
8: I mean, yeah. even if you're aiming at a target directly in front of you and walking forward on a treadmill, that target would be getting larger as it gets closer. Right. Or if you're backing up, it would be getting smaller as you're moving away or appear to be.
0: All right. So now I'm going back to the box drill in the backyard. <laughs> oh, well, you got it for free. So that's right. Yeah. Like I said, I didn't pay for it. So that's
1: good. So, yeah. You need some blooper footage at least before you get rid of it. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going
0: gonna, I'm gonna to do something with it. Um, I want to see actually... you getting pushed through the garage door or something like that. <laughs> now,
8: use it to bring you a beer, but you don't.
0: Yeah. I don't drink. So um, now what I did do was. Like when I was recording, when I was walking and I almost fell, I knocked the red little thing off, the emergency stop switch. I knocked that off. So I'm going to put a blooper reel together. I'm going to send it to you (laughs) you so you can laugh. Um,
8: And then you can do my voiceover on it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That would be hilarious. That would be hilarious. All right. So now let me ask you this, Kita, And this is one thing that gets me every time when we go out to the range, whenever we're doing movement, everybody always says, you got to get lower. You got to get lower. And for somebody like my buddy, John, he's only like five, five. So when he crotches down, it looks like he's getting down. But by me being six foot five, It feels like my knees are got the pressure of squatting, but people say, you got to get lower. You got to get lower. And I think it's just my height that people are saying that. Now, I could be wrong, but that's just what I believe, you know? So,
8: Well, some people try to get lower by leaning their shoulders forward, and instead, they need to get lower by sitting their butts down. Right. So maybe you're leaning forward with your shoulders rather than... You know, dropping it like it's hot?
0: Yeah, I don't want to drop it like it's hot, so that might be it.
8: (laughs) You never know until you try it. Yeah,
0: I I, I tend to stay away from that department. (laughs) I'm cut from a different cloth. (laughs) Well,
8: you might be getting low with your shoulders instead of your butt.
0: Yeah, I, I never really looked at myself on video when it was, but then too, I never really thought about the concept of shoulders and sitting either. So now I got to go back and look at some old videos and figure it out. You can either
8: make yourself shorter by leaning forward, or you can make yourself shorter by dropping down.
0: Yeah. So I can actually say when I go to move, like if I'm shooting on the move, if I was to tell myself to squat down, I will feel pressure on my knees. And when I feel that pressure on my knees, that's my stopping point right there. If that makes sense to you.
8: Do you roll from heel to toe? Yes. Do you feel a lot of pressure in your shins and your calves when you're getting to the point of being on the toe?
0: Well, when I actually walk, I actually walk um, balls on the balls of my feet. I don't roll my feet.
8: Now, when you shoot on the move, do you roll your feet?
0: Yes, yes.
2: Hmm.
8: I'd almost have to see a video of you shooting on the move to see what it is that you're doing. But I would anticipate that you're moving in a way that your body is not designed to move because you walk on the balls of your feet. It's not how you move. You're trying to move like somebody else.
0: Yeah, a totally different person. Like you. Right. Hmm. Do you think that's what you're doing, Mike? I I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. I'm I'm trying to figure it out right now. So we
1: need to get on the range, get some footage. I'll record you. Yeah, we could do that. Send it to Kita.
8: There we go. Yeah.
0: What you doing this weekend, Dave?
1: Going to the range and shooting
0: with you. (laughs) sounds good we're gonna make it happen (laughs) yeah all right so now um we got the video review so you actually do you said three videos for somebody who didn't take your course four videos for somebody who took your course now is there anything else you offer with the videos is there like a subscription of so many for so many months or is it just a one-time thing?
8: It's so I recommend they take time to incorporate those things before mm-hmm. coming back for another one. But yeah, it is maintenance. I don't do it as a subscription service. I do it three for fifty, or if you've taken the class, four for fifty.
2: Mm-hmm. But no so
1: subscription. It. I I like the way that she has it formatted now because. The techniques, at least for me, the new techniques take me a good period of time to imp- implement them to where they are uh, becoming subconscious, you know, to where I don't have to think about them. So I'm working on these things for weeks uh, at, a, at a time and uh, it wouldn't do me any good to, you know, send her a video every week or, or something like that. Right.
8: Exactly. And I'm not in this to rip anybody off. You know, I don't want you coming back to me for another video review until you are ready for another video review. So if somebody sends me your video review two weeks after they just had one, I'll say just keep practicing, hold off. I might look at it and see and then be confirmed in my belief that they weren't ready. Right. But it takes everyone a different amount of time to incorporate something. It depends how much ammo you have, how much practice time you have available, how much you dry fire. Some people it's going to be faster. Sometimes some people it's going to take longer. So having a subscription service, they would almost have to know going into this subscription service exactly how long it's going to take them to incorporate a new skill.
4: Okay. I,
1: I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> so for me it, it wouldn't it wouldn't work i don't know I have to I have to work hard at this stuff
8: I mean maybe. yeah maybe I could make more money with a subscription service but at the same time that's one of those things where you come back when you're ready to come back
0: right okay and it's so now, yeah so now what is your website where people can go to and see what you have to offer
8: 180 firearmstrainingcom com.
0: Okay, so now on this website, they should be able to be directed to your book, your training, and any type gear you sell. Yes, all right. so what is the gear that you actually lean more towards?
8: So right now, I've got simple things like a rain jacket, shirts, that I have some coffee mugs, pens, silly things like that. but I am working on other more range um, range oriented things i'm working on uh oh what are those clubs called that go around your neck
1: the buck loveless or what are you calling
8: no, this not no. a ball that has the eyes cut out and the oh. like what you rob a bank with
1: <laughs> that everybody's wearing them around here now i, so I it's, know. Yeah,
8: <laughs> it's something that goes around your neck a neck gator
1: mm-hmm.
8: working on a neck gator oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, i want to get a different rain jacket the one i have on there now is a pullover and i want to also have an option for a zip rain jacket um I'm working on getting some um sort of rain covers made for the range buggies yeah a few different things things in the works
0: mm, okay so now, how can the people follow you on social media?
8: I am on Facebook, One Eighty Firearms Training. I'm also on my personal page, Kita Bussy. Um, but on the One Eighty Firearms Training, you can just follow me. Um, I also have One Eighty Firearms, One Eighty Firearms Training Coaching, which is the page for former students where they can all keep up with each other, criticize each other's videos, and talk to people who have been through the torture and suffering that is my
2: class.
8: (laughs) And uh, Instagram, I'm Kita Bussey. It's K-I-T-A-B-U-S-S-E.
0: That is it. Now, is there anything else you would like to cover that we possibly didn't cover that you want to talk about right quick?
8: Uh, After you turn off the camera, I'll think of something.
0: That that's normally how it goes, right?
1: <laughs> so I, I wanted to cover something for me real quick. Um, well, first the class is definitely not pain and suffering, it's not torture. It's it's I was sore afterwards, but it's because of my drive and what I put into it, like she mentioned earlier. The class is great. Everyone will benefit greatly from it. But I tell us again, I was really impressed. I, I didn't know all about the uh the charity. Um, work that you were doing um, with with law enforcement and veterans and, and helping people um, you know in that aspect how, how can veterans in le get in touch with you for 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 that purpose
8: they can go to www.specopscharity.com forward slash harley fundraiser for the tickets or just the website is www.specopscharity.com run facebook as special operations charity network and on facebook as spec ops charity Uh, instagram did i say facebook again run instagram as spec ops charity
1: that's awesome i I think it's so great that you're offering that um that's you know kind of why i got into to firearms and firearms training i became a you know a, a licensed instructor and Hopes to, you know, help people um, in in a similar way. I think that's great.
8: It really does. I had a, I actually had a student in Florida, um, the previous class to yours, who is wheelchair bound. He's a police officer who was shot five times and is paralyzed. And he took the class and we took 10, I think it was 10 seconds off of his stages. We took two seconds off of his reloads alone. By coming up with a different technique just for people in wheelchairs.
1: Mm, nice. I met him at the Florida open actually after, after your class. Oh, okay. It was great. It was nice to meet him. I'm to talk to him in between stages.
8: Yeah. Jim, he's a really great guy. Really interesting story.
1: He's a good shooter too.
8: Yeah. He can shoot. We talked about how he needs to combine positions differently than people with legs turn around on
1: oh, I,
0: so sure. want
8: to minimize the number of times he has to roll the chair.
0: Right. That's awesome.
1: So you, you do other work with um, people with um, possible, you know, phys- physical d- disabilities or, or injuries or, or stuff like that.
7: Yep.
8: Yeah, so it's kind of like how I, took my nursing background and applied it to shooting, I can do the same thing with people who have prosthetics or are in wheelchairs. Um, I worked with a guy who had most of his arm missing. I've worked with guys who are missing a bunch of fingers. I've worked with a guy who only had one leg. Um, Basically, what I do is I look at each individual person who comes to me and we figure out how you are meant to move with whatever you've got going on and we can get you moving better for you.
1: I love that. That's, it's personal and unique. And I don't think you get that uh, for many instructors or coaches. You don't call yourself an instructor. You're a coach. I think that's great.
8: Yeah, I really enjoy it. It's, the most rewarding thing I never thought I'd be doing in my life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's it.
1: We're looking forward to having you here.
0: Yeah, me too. That'll be fun. Yeah. So, right now, everybody, please go over to 180firearmstraining.com and check out what Kita has to offer, and maybe she can get you up to grandmaster master a or b class whatever your desire is and hit her up tell her you heard about it on the or heard about her on the m-w tactical podcast but at the same time make sure you go out there and get her book and for what i understand it is very beneficial because every time i talk to dave about something He always referenced the (laughs) book. It's the book. Yeah, that's all it is. So as soon as I say something, I literally sit back like this. Like, okay, is it coming? Is it coming? (laughs) You know, so. I
1: didn't realize I was doing that that much. (laughs)
0: And if you want
8: a signed copy, you can email me at 180 firearms training at gmail.com.
0: Yeah, you have it. So, um. Once again, Keita, I want to thank you for coming on to the podcast and sharing the experience with Dave that he had down in Florida taking your class. And like I said, sometime in the future, we want to bring you to Columbia, South Carolina. So everybody who is interested can have that same experience.
8: That would be awesome.
0: Yes.
1: I enjoyed meeting you. Enjoyed the class very much. Thank you so much.
8: Yeah. Thank you.
0: Yeah, that's it. So please. Um. Everybody stay in your seats, and here are a few words from our sponsors. What's up, good people? Thank you for taking the time and listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. Please go visit the M-W Tactical store at www.m-wtactical.com forward slash store and help support our efforts by purchasing a shirt or two you haven't done so go follow us on instagram and facebook by searching for m-w tactical
5: are you in the market to purchase your first or next firearm but find the atmosphere of a gun store intimidating crowded or uninviting there's a way for you to purchase the gun you want while avoiding the crowds the gruff salesmen, and the marked up prices that come with a brick and mortar gun store The process is called a transfer, where the purchase is made in an online store or sent to a federally licensed middleman, called an FFL, who processes the paperwork and background check for a firearm purchase. CAE Transfers is the FFL with the lowest transfer cost in the Midlands at only $20 or $15 with the presentation of a South Carolina Concealed Weapons Permit and $10 for repeat customers. If you live in Columbia, South Carolina, or its surrounding areas, choose CAE Transfers as your FFL during checkout and let me help you complete your online gun purchase. You can find and follow CAE Transfers online at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using CAE Transfers. Thank you for your business and I look forward to seeing you soon.
3: JM4 Tactical has developed a state of the art polymer holster that will quickly become your go to holster. With high-quality Hermit Oak leather securely sewn to the interior of the molded outer Bolteron shell, your draw becomes silent and no more scratches up and down your firearm. When seconds count, you can rest assured that you will have the upper hand when you need it most. Whether you carry open or concealed, the Relic Holster is available in four different models fitting over hundreds of different style guns. The new reliable, easy, light individual carry holster by JM4 Tactical order your relic today at jm4tactical.com
4: hey this is Brian Conley at Hunter's HD Gold if you've never tried Hunter's HD Gold then I challenge you to find me at a match next year go to the website under scheduled events find out where I'm going to be come meet me in person and demo a pair for yourself
6: The Gun Cleaners
5: Our solvent is, I think, second to none. Our lube is second to none. Their lube's heavier than water, which is just a huge thing. People don't really put a lot of thought into that, just how huge that is to have on your gun, especially with concealed carry.
6: The Gun Cleaners
5: Oh yeah, most definitely. You know, you're going to sweat a lot of the other lubes off. With ours, it'll stay there.
6: The Gun Cleaners
0: And maintaining the quality of the process, the quality of the end result, is another and you guys are able to do both with the
7: process that you have there order your supply of the lube and the solvent at www.theguncleaners.com
0: thank you for taking the time to hang out with us on the m-w tactical podcast remember a new podcast comes out every tuesday if you cannot wait for tuesday go and listen to past episodes to catch up on what you missed make sure you visit www.m-wtactical.com and see what all is offered on the site where you can even purchase M-W Tactical Apparel. But please go to our Facebook and Instagram page and follow us on our journey in the sport of competition shooting and the realm of the 2A community. Until next week, keep shooting, keep practicing, and have fun.